So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day, hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Oh, hey, Michael. Oh, hey, Taylor. What are we drinking today? Uh, tangerine Pale Ale. Um, I think it's something Tangerine Sunshine Pale Ale from Hellbent Brewing Company. Uh, we took a little Thanksgiving break, and now we're back with four big titles. That we are. Uh, it's a busy month. Lots coming out, lots to see, lots to talk about. But first, we both haven't seen the trailer for No Time to Die. Let's fix that. Let's do it. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? Alright, we just watched the trailer for the upcoming James Bond movie, No Time to Die. What do you think? I'm excited. The sets look amazing. I guess maybe this is one of those cases where I just haven't been following the production well enough. I was under the impression that Carrie just took over it like this summer, late summer, and the movie appears finished. Um, I'm not sure if Danny Boyle's footage was used or how far they got with the previous screenplay. Um, we'll be talking about Scott C. Burns' film, The Report. He apparently at least co-wrote this film. Carrie did Maniac, which we talked about last year. Anna de Armas will be in Knives Out. Uh, Daniel Craig will also be in Knives Out. Uh, Lisa Du is, you know, she was previously in 007. Blue is the warmest color. This is a treasure trove of, of talent. And it all, it, it really reminds me of Maniac where it's, I don't think it's going to be perfect, but it's going to be thoroughly enjoyable to almost every person that wants to watch it, um, which is uh, impressive considering what we last saw out of Spectre. Yeah. Lots of connections today between all the different titles we are covering, no doubt. Um, of all the different franchises out there, I think James Bond would definitely be towards the top for me. Um, I'm always excited for a new James Bond movie. Um, I would say this looks uh, about as exciting to me as any of the others. Uh, just a sexy, stylish, slick action movie that, yeah. you know, is just kind of catnip when you watch the trailer you're like i just have to lay my eyes on that um you know with with bond i usually always kind of forget after a few months what the story was about what the characters were even Agreed. all about yep um you know so i i just always kind of hope that like the plot doesn't really get in the way of just kind of enjoying the style and the action especially now that they seem to be like referencing more than previously the previous films um mm -hmm. It does have a little bit of, of a visual cinematic tone change that both feels influenced by Carrie, but also feels influenced by Mission Impossible. 
totally. uh, Fallout. Yeah. I don't know if you picked up on that, but oh, it definitely 100%. feels like yeah. dark. Um, and um, I believe that the the tone is called tungsten, which comes through even to me um, in grayscale. Like there's just a, a sheerness to the quality of the image where it's it's working in these really pristine um, shades of, of really dark darks and really uh, dark brights in in a mm-hmm. weird way um th- did you see that as well yeah i think i think it looks great uh the the, the color and movement and style I, th- I think it's very slick um and just kind of irresistible to mm-hmm. look at um i believe you said you saw a release date for this film according to google just the very first thing i landed on said april 2020 that seems, seems a little bit too soon but that I'm, sounds great to me i hope it. that is accurate I'm going to not get my hopes up. It just seems like a weird time. I'm going to guess whatever I landed on was maybe optimistic. Yeah, I mean, that would be three months before Tenet, or it would need to release in November, which would be three months after Tenet. But I I think the rule is kind of like Nolan action movies. You tend to not try to crowd the field during that time because he's just going to steal your money. So I, I see the April making sense. I just I can't remember a 007 movie not coming out in November or October since I've been paying attention. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. I remember always seeing them like kind of in the holiday period. That's yeah, like I, Spider-Man I used to always come them. out in May. Yeah, I, I weirdly associate them with the holidays, mm-hmm. the James Bond movies. Yeah, it's um, like a Christmas movie to watch with dad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not going to complain if April is what we get. That'd be fantastic. And make up for February, because yep. I know it's going to suck. On to Black Widow. It's good to see you too, sis. What brings you home? We have unfinished business. We have to go back to where it all started. Lucky us. One thing's for sure gonna be a hell of a reunion all right michael that was the trailer for black widow and we're both uh smiling uh <laughs> we'll find out why why don't you take the lead on this one <laughs> well as anyone who follows the show consistently would probably probably knows i have not kept up with the mcu extensively i don't think this is going to change that i don't know that this will be the one i decide to finally show up for um kind of mixed on it i guess i kind of like the feel it has as an action movie um but kind of hate the cheesiness of it yeah also just not really that into the the look um the the kind of the the texture of it Um, i love florence Pugh. i love rachel vice um but for me that just makes me like a little more bummed that like they did this and not something else that I would rather see. It usually doesn't, you know, excite me to see stars. I like go into a franchise that I don't like. It just means that like they, there was an opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm not, not super pumped. What about you? I see four actors that are competent. Three of which are amazing. Um, acting each in a separate movie from what I can tell, Florence Pugh's character does not live in the same world as Scarlett Johansson's character. It does not live in the same world as Rachel Weisz's character. Uh, this is signified by the seriousness of Florence Pugh's acting and the 
Scarlett Johansson Black Widow character is not something that acts at that level. So it, they just juxtapose each other in a weird way that creates a, a an uncanny valley of acting versus um, the character just being Scarlet. Um, like, kind of in some way. Like, it's just Scarlet's more badass alter ego, I, w- I would say. Because she's great at acting. We'll get to that in Marriage Story. But this is not an example of that. And then Rachel Weisz is doing something in between. That we mm-hmm. saw her doing the lobster that just doesn't fit with Midsomar's capital A acting and Scarlet's passive character work. Um, and David Harbour is being his best Chris Evans in a movie that doesn't appear to have that comedic tone. Perhaps with reshoots and extensive editing, this trailer will no longer symbolize what the film is. But at this moment, I think I might stay in that weekend. I think we're on the same page here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very good point that they feel like they're in different movies. And maybe I like you kind of think that like it's bound to happen in cinematic universes where you're pulling people from different stuff that eventually, you know, you might hit points where they should not have been in the same movie. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that's totally on point. Then I also would make the point that I'd love to see Vice and Pew and Johansson in a serious film. Oh, sure. Together. So, Greta Gerwig. <laughs> Hope you're listening. Exactly. Um, so, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get to something less torturous. The torture report, known as The Report. After 9-11, everyone was scared. Scared it might happen again. It was my second day of grad school. Next day, I changed all my classes to national security. Morning, Dan. Morning, Senator. Have you seen the story today in the New York Times? Evidently, the CIA destroyed tapes of interrogations of Al-Qaeda detainees. I want to find out what was on the tapes and why they were destroyed. The report. Directed by Scott Z. Burns, written by as well. I think it's mm-hmm. an adapted screenplay. Not sure what the original title of the book or uh, original title was. Um, I know it was influenced by quite a few different um, pieces of written work, but specifically the torture report. Um, and then, um, there, yeah, there is a book that I don't recall the name of that he used specifically and then went to Daniel Jones to write um, it from Jones's perspective as mm-hmm. best he could. An Amazon original streaming now on Prime. I think it got a minor theatrical release, but not locally here in Seattle. Well, no, it did. Did it? Did, did it play at the Crest? Yeah. It, no, it's playing. Um, no, it's not a Netflix film. It's a Prime film. Yeah, it that's played. What I said. Did I say Netflix? Say you Prime. said the Crest. The Crest only plays Netflix. Oh, gotcha. Not Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a deal with Landmark. Um, so no, it played the Majestic Bay Theater. Oh yeah, um, right. Last uh, two weeks ago. Remember, before you left, we were looking at it. Um, So it did get a a theatrical release. Um, They shot it uh, as an independent film for $8 million, and it was acquired by Amazon um, at Sundance. So it wasn't commissioned. Yeah. Um, I liked this movie more than I expected to. Um, You did. You liked it more than I expected you to. Yeah, I had kind of modest expectations. I thought it would feel just kind of like too too much oscar bait for me um but uh i actually liked it a decent amount um i thought it was uh pretty crisp and compelling and uh kind of succinct almost kind of 
essay-like, which is almost, which is like not how I would normally describe the kinds of movies I like. It just kind of felt right for the material here. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll start there that I'm, I'm positive on this one. What about you? Yeah. Um, less than you, but barely. Um, I, I just have some questions with pacing, I guess. And just, I, I think that it, it doesn't hit a Sorkin like quality at any point. Um, I think when it's at its best is when driver gets to take over a scene. Um, or when Benning gets to take over a scene or I, I mean like those scenes with tyranny, not that she's bad. It just, it doesn't read right. Like there's just not enough time spent to fully hit that emotionality of um, where she's coming from, from an, and I, I don't want to say that like he's not even handed. I think that he is really bipartisan in his film. Um, especially with the ending, which he started with that ending of McCain's speech um, and the McCain-Feinstein bill being passed. But there's just not enough humanity put into the CIA at some level Hmm. um, for the movie to completely work for me. Uh, It's not like I want the people that are doing terrible things to to become humanized, but I think there's just one more character angle that he could have added in um, to make it hit right because he does address with John Hamm's character um, that they need the CIA to do like the drone program and stuff like that which is handling these other things um, so I, I think that I'm, I'm just less high on it for some very specific reasons yeah yeah you yeah you talk about um, you know some some humanity that's missing I mean I think I maybe got that with some of the CIA and the sense that they're looking for an approach that will work just out of, you know, such deep fear that it could happen again. Um, but completely agree that like the psychologists are like the capital V villains. Of the yeah. Movie. And because um, Tierney's is like an apologist for them, she becomes a weak character. Mm-hmm. I think through happenstance because she's there defending them while Tim Blake Nelson's like for real though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know that this is necessarily a criticism, but I mean, those, those psychologists are made out to be such, bad guys mm-hmm. like through and through i don't know this is maybe just my own ignorance like what what exactly inc- what incentive they had exactly if the, if there was this program was being like sold to the cia or or what i was never quite sure like the incentive for them to push through this money I, I, I guess an endless money. well of money that the cia has access to i suppose i, I don't recall that like being a um uh, detail that was really discussed in the movie was like no what it was shown with Maybe, with the airplane yeah. scene if you remember that at all their private airplane where they they right. talk about like you know just keep getting this money um it, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a passive conversation whenever they are there um where you know they're just fabricating lies because we we know mm-hmm. that torture is the quickest way to get false confessions um we saw that with the Americans in the Korean War that were made to mm-hmm. say false things about America. So, well, yeah, like I think, like science might show that, but the movie suggests that this, like some of me- some of the members of the CIA didn't know that that they were trusting the psychologists that they would get answers from this. Yeah. So it, yeah, to me, it's um, not necessarily eviscerating the CIA. Like there is some understanding for, you know, just how badly they wanted something to work and how willing 
Lee, they might overlook, um, you know, the fact that it's not working. Yeah, and but maybe the psychologists really get no benefit of the doubt. And then, and that is maybe a, a little bit of a criticism of like the university system and their studies and mm. the psychologists that come out of that with these proofs that you know end up not working after further evaluation kind of but like, like powerpoints yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know i mean just the kind of clarity with which it walked us through the the process through the story i just really kind of appreciate it i just thought it was very kind of efficient and clear and methodical i'm kind of nodding my head along with the movie which i don't always like to do you know that's not like the most interesting movie going experience um so you know i might chalk it up to having lower expectations that i came out kind of high on it because i was like oh that was, that was pretty good well i i think that the maybe the the meat or the marrow and the bone there is the fact that we never like we we don't side with daniel for bullshit reasons we're not going home with him and seeing him be a victim and you know we see him stand up and do a leak on the cia that puts them on their heels so that they can't attack him um we we just see him doing the work continuously so instead of there being like a a, a political agenda or a, a manipulation of emotion it's just you're siding with the guy who's working hard for what is it an hour and 40 minutes or something Mm -hmm. and that's there's just something pleasurable and like this guy's doing the work and he's not taking shortcuts and Mm -hmm. you're along with the ride and he's working in a bipartisan way which Mm -hmm. is yeah that's just easy to nod your head along with Mm -hmm. and it's fun in in some capacity because you get to do it so rarely Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) it's like a good horror movie a bipartisan film that criticizes government like what Yeah, and to just see someone toil like he does, and then to have all the hard work be suppressed, like, it's just kind of impossible to not be frustrated by that. Like, even though you know, like, that's the point of the whole movie, Mm -hmm. it's maybe not subtle. Um, I also just, like, can't kind of resist it. I'm like, yeah, that really, really is frustrating. um, And then when he doesn't whistleblow. Yeah. And he could have. Because Matthew Reese plays the character that he always plays, which is the newspaper uh, reporter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> in a car, yeah. in a parking lot. Yeah. Or a he, parking he, garage. He's up from the Americans, right? Yeah, he's from the Americans. But he yeah, had the same a- role, I believe, in, was it the report? Or not the report, sorry. The uh, the Meryl Streep Spielberg Oh, movie. is that right? The Post? Yeah, the Similar Post. I, I think he might have. Or maybe he was the Vietnam reporter. Mm-hmm. Um and then he might have had a role in Spotlight too that was similar. Like he's, if you look at his credits, you'll see it. He's got a few political different times where he's, a he's like, yeah, that's yeah. that's my shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I think Adam Driver's good. I think uh, Annette Benning's good. Um, I think you you could maybe kind of roll your eyes at um, how his character has to go and do this research. He comes back to Annette Benning and sort of relays all that information to her. It's not the most, like, um, aesthetically satisfying way of telling the story, you know, but it also just feels real to me that the senator, in this case, Benning, needs to ask, like, clarifying questions, which also kind of stand out as, like, the means of clarifying for us what exactly is happening, right? Like, it's all, like, a little... Yeah, it's a screenplay trick to to let us... (laughs) 
know things with mm-hmm. her and use her as like an audience cue. Mm-hmm. But there's also a layer of truth to the bureaucracy of like telling it's like in your day to day life, just telling your boss like this basic thing. They're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You're like, yeah, I fucking know. I told you that like a year ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or, or she's like, so what you're telling me is dot, dot, dot. Uh-huh. You're like, okay, I, I, I see what we're doing here. And she's like, okay, I'm on your side, but there's a manager higher than yeah. us that keeps us from being able to make that pivot. You yeah. know, like it's a very identifiable all the way down, even yeah. though it's kind of tropey. Exactly. It's it's exactly what I want a senator, a, a senator to do is ask clarifying questions be sure she understands what the issue is. Um, so it that all kind of worked for me in spite of itself. Um, and I kind of like the look of it, the style. Um, I th- you know, I think it's kind of simple, but I mean, I I thought of Mindhunter. This is not Mindhunter by any means. I like Mindhunter way better, but something just about the, uh, you know, kind of drab office facilities and then the flashbacks being in that kind of more yellow tinted hue. Um, that just feels like a little a little grimier, a little more kind of decay-ish. Is this where um, I bring up who the executive producer is? Steven right. Soderbergh. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> King uh, of the office shot. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it, that all just kind of worked for me. I, th- I think it was um, kind of nicely shot. You know, it's kind of more like handheld camera work in the flashbacks, which feel a little more kind of um, immediate. And then mm-hmm. the... Um, smoother camera work in the the present um you know it just it just feels kind of sturdy to me um yeah it's it's competent i think i had some problems with the edits it's been a while since i saw it but i do remember it got a little bit weirdly over choppy um in a way that atlantics doesn't get choppy even though it does something similar because of its pacing like because of the report's more methodical pace there's points that it just cuts like to a random different shot of a different person in a different office, like every six or eight seconds at one point. And it does it for like two minutes of like this voiceover narration where there's also dialogue from each scene. That's like making a cohesive statement and it just doesn't work. Um, And that's, that's one of those things where I can definitely see him building his form you know this is his second feature film but if you hear him talk about it he talks about it like it's his first i'm not too sure if pu uh 237 was an hbo film or not maybe that's why he doesn't count it maybe he thinks it's a tv film and this is like his first feature um to him but i definitely think he's going to get more competent um not less competent as a director yeah i i could totally see that um there is not like a lot of time to like let these things breathe. We are moving pretty quickly from one person one scene to the next. Also, kind of with those you know inner titles telling us what year it is, mm-hmm. you're moving right along, and and that's kind of like a bug and a feature for me. Like it's it's kind of efficient. It's also what holds back from greatness is that like it's just um, like so direct that like I don't know that I have time to feel things as deeply as you know, something like Spotlight, where you really just feel like how many hours these people are spending, how, you know, just kind of uh, hard it is to, mm-hmm. to, to pour yourself into this. Um, and how Matt, like, when you when I think about how that is edited and how much time we spend with those characters and then those single moments where we get to see them in their home life with their spouse or without their 
a spouse if they don't have one and their type of loneliness with or without that spouse. That's one of the things that like is missing maybe from this. I can't tell if that should be there or not. It's definitely not there. I don't know if it should be, but that that might be playing into it. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, you kind of need that, I think, for me, for it to really kind of get into like the top tier of this kind of genre. But there's also just something about the the conciseness of it that I kind of went for. Did you uh, did you prefer this screenplay or the laundromat screenplay more? This one. This what about one? you? I think the laundromat screenplay. I think it's more playful. I think I see a little That's bit more. Of an artist there, it's a ri- it's which riskier. is which is weird to to say, but I think there's more, there's more happening there. Like there's there's more that I want him to develop there. It's rougher, but there's there's more promise there. You know, more surprising. Uh, yeah, you kind of know the beats we're we're gonna hit as you're walking through the report, whereas we're kind of zigzagging through the laundromat and. There is, you know, some some excitement. It's risky, that. but it's it's playful. You know, there's a there's a tone of of life to it that the report sh- probably shouldn't have. But just as far as his development, like I I think I'm more interested in projects from him that aren't this serious in tone. Like I'm glad he made this one, but I'd like to see him make his own playful uh, film. And, and see that mature, you know, even if it's a swing and a miss and you feel worse about it than you felt about the laundromat. I feel like that's maybe more who I'd like to see in five years as a as a writer director than this personally. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that sensibility melds with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I haven't watched Fleabag extensively, but it's obviously very a very comedic sensibility. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's expert. I, I don't know that I'd even classify it as a specific type of sensibility so much as expert because she straddles drama and comedy. Yeah. For um, sure, for sure. So I, yeah. I, I don't know that I could pick a single side, but she is fantastic in everything that she's done that I've seen. I like that. Or written. Uh, any other thoughts on the report? Just a question. What'd you got? Favorite scene. You already have one in mind? I do. Yeah. Why don't you go first? My favorite scene is the ending in which John McCain gives the real speech that he gave, which um, in a movie that I did not expect to even feel a complex emotion nearly got me to cry. Certainly had tears welling in my eyes because, you know, the fact just in contemporary culture, we just lost him very recently and just a reminder of what type of voice he was. And what type of a bipartisan thinker he was. Even when he disagreed with someone, he was willing to hear them out. Um, and that was... It just hit and it hurt a little bit. I like it. I'm struggling to think of, think of one in particular that just really stood out to me. So I'm going to dodge a little bit and just say that I liked most of the scenes with John Hamm pretty well. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of iffy on him in feature films, even though I loved him in Mad Men. This kind of felt right. Um, for me, uh, I like what he's doing here. Um, so yeah, John Ham, good, good, agreed. <laughs> Didn't ham it up at all. <laughs> exactly. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot, and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, 
the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it, by the way? The party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great. Knives Out. Directed by Ryan Johnson. Written and directed by Ryan Johnson, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a large cast of household names. Mm-hmm. Anna Diarmas, Daniel Craig, Lakeith Stanfield, Tony Collette. Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon. Uh, boy, now now we're hitting. Oh, Catherine Langford. There you go. Um, Chris Evans. Oh, I thought you already got him. Okay, yeah, Chris Evans. Um, you start saying everything twice now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Daniel Craig. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember that guy who took Kevin Spacey's role in All the Money in the World. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. There I you really go. thought we were done, but no, I forgot about Christopher Plummer. <laughs> the central character. And then um, I can't remember the guy's name, but I guess he's been Ryan Johnson's collaborator a few times. The guy who kind of plays the audience cop role. Um, where he says, no, 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 shh, we want to hear this. Oh, um, I, yeah. I don't know if you remember. He has like five lines that, and Ryan wrote them specifically like for the audience to side with. I didn't realize he was a, a frequent collaborator, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. I, I think he's like a personal friend who just like. Yeah. Sneaks in. Yeah. I like it. And I like this movie quite a bit. Um, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought this cast was great. Um, I like the feel of it as kind of an old fashioned mystery, but also with it feeling very much of its time, um, Mm -hmm. just kind of that nice mix of old and new. Um, I don't know that the, um, ending to the murder mystery itself was, was wildly satisfying for me, but the, um, journey getting there, I thought was a, uh, pleasure. What about you? No. No. (laughs) <laughs> should we move on uh yeah <laughs> uh i i vastly prefer a kenneth bernard murder on the orient express remake that is actually like legitimately complex where i don't know who it is um and even when i find out i still don't trust myself or even uh jk rowling's like a cuckoo's call um or calling um in, in her little spurt of detective novels, this, it was just clearly telegraphed right away, um, by Chris Evans. Well, it, spoiler by Chris Evans behaviors. Uh, we always spoil everything. So yeah. if you didn't know, that's on you. Sorry. Um, and on Adarmus's behavior, um, in the opening act of the film. Um, so I just knew what was going on. I, I didn't know the exact morphine everything beforehand, but I knew that like the, the yeah. person who's the people who aren't here are clearly not here for a reason because that that's the trick with murder mystery is that everyone who's a suspect is already there. Okay. Well, if you have suspects who aren't there, then it's them every time. And, um, so as as a fan of the genre as someone who's read Agatha Christie and Holmes and stuff like as soon as that happens and I've already solved it I'm checked out of the movie and not going to enjoy it and I didn't particularly care for Ryan's filmmaking um in this uh some of the stuff looked neat uh I don't think any of it looked incredible um and at this point 
you know, it's the it's the incredible scenes that I remember from The Last Jedi. It's um, the genre filmmaking of Looper that I appreciate. Um, so not particularly fond, not super negative with this movie. It just, um, as someone who's a fan of the genre, it's not something I would put up there in the genre and recommend. Yeah, <clears throat> I think I would agree about the murder mystery itself like we start with this kind of even playing field where the various suspects the various members of the family are introduced and then we suddenly separate chris evans from the crowd so it becomes not a question of who did it but it's like is it chris evans or not which is less satisfying to me i didn't know it's like either it's kind of that sense like well he's clearly you know on a different kind of playing field now so it either feels too obvious to assume that it's him or it's, or it's him not. with three hats. Yeah, and it's you know, him with three hats. It's it's a little more fun when um, it, it, it feels like a more sort of even crowd up until the end. And then one suddenly sort of emerges yes. as the um, mastermind. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has that. But um, I think uh, I think the acting is just so fun to watch. I was not expecting to... Um, follow Anna Diarmas's character like we do. Like this is really kind of her movie. I thought mm-hmm. this was going to um, kind of move between more evenly between yeah. these people, which I think it does suffer bit. from not doing that. Particularly like Michael Shannon. I this is I think the most disappointed I've been by him in a role this decade. I thought he was great. I totally disagree. I thought he was fun. Um, I, yeah, I, I I thought Anna Diarmas was was great i thought that was a nice surprise um you know it all feels a little or not a little it all feels quite heightened you know this is not you know realism by any no means it's um, definitely a political film yeah and i think you know i've seen some people um you know uh be not satisfied with some of the dialogue and how it feels like a little too much like internet speak with mm-hmm. the phrases like weak sauce and the alt-right trolls thing, mm-hmm. which I would agree is, um, like, not how people talk in their everyday lives in 2019. But I would also say that people don't have, like, thrones made of knives and houses with false windows. Like, it all, it feels as, in you know, as heightened with everything else in the movie and kind of in sync with this slightly over-the-top style um, that I thought was fun. That's what gives it some idiosyncrasy and um gives it a kind of a memorable quality for me Um, i I think it's the tone that just doesn't work for some reason i i don't see how the tone matches the sensibility there um whereas like in ready or not it works we're suspending our disbelief and it's just um an attempted murder fest for a night until um someone who appears is capable of omnipotently making people explode Right, and this never reaches that fun point. It always keeps trying to go crazy and then bring it all back to reality um, and then make a political point out of that. And it just, it's a hat on a hat on a hat and it doesn't, I, I, I don't see it as working in the genre it's in, but I think comedically, um, maybe I, I would lean different. You know, if I was just judging it on whether or not it was funny and Anna de Armas's continuous puking was, uh, you know, the best puking since the girl in Hustlers. 
Yeah, yeah. There, there has been. Oh, yeah. Uh, that has been a, been a little bit of a trope this year. The mm-hmm. puking. I saw someone call that out on Twitter. There was a third example. It's escaping me now. But you're right. There is something there. Um, yeah, and uh, it, it it is a political movie, and I think I liked that about it. Um, to me, is it, it wasn't totally? as a what? Is it Tully? Um, she probably did throw up in yeah, that. Yeah, that's the, that's the first that thing I can think not. of. <laughs> Very possible. Um, I think I did like the political angle to it. I thought that's what made it an interesting story. To me, it's first and foremost. I mean, this is less about politics, actually. I don't know if that I would even use that word um, so much as it is just about entitlement. Um hmm. And the idea that people turn on each other as soon as they feel like something that rightly belongs to them is pulled out from under them and given yeah, to that, someone else. That I is think that's really meaningful yeah. um, stuff. And that's the crux of this story is that this family, you know, they're clearly not made out to be angels by any means. Um, no. But it's also a little ambiguous, you know, the extent to which... John Johnson... We forgot Don Johnson. We're going to keep throwing those out there, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Someone like Michael Shannon's character who runs the publishing part of the business. It's not exactly clear, you know, to me, the extent to which um, he does nothing himself versus actually having some kind of real day job. Um, so I just think it's an interest, kind of a fun question to think about to what extent do these people quote unquote deserve any of this money? Um, and at the same time, it's just fun to see them be kind of oblivious to how outrageously privileged they are and how um, that kind of informs their sense of entitlement to it. I don't know. I just think, I just think that's all kind of fun stuff to chew on. I don't know that I would really call political. I mean, yeah, there's some, you know, alt right talk but to me that's not really the theme it's more about people and what they think they um deserve and are entitled to yeah i i think that mostly when it gets political is when it's the young um younger characters that get involved and i think like the entitlement is particularly at its best when tony collette's character is involved because i i think that her and daniel craig are acting in the same film where as with with my personal sense, it's like Michael Shannon was just in a different movie, the way that he was performing. And Jamie Lee Curtis was somewhere in between those two. Um, they were all just behaving differently. And I mean, when Tony Collette is having those interactions and trying to guilt trip Anna into the money and using her daughter to do that stuff, that all felt like real, um, you know, if we were going to use the term politics, family politics, like that, that felt like it was, sincere but then the uh the armchair conversations that don johnson's having um while they're drinking and you know he he hears that she's from a different country and then says another country to her um you know that maybe that's not political but i i think that there's just there's a constant strain of trying to have a political conversation that is not limited to entitlement. And I think that when it's talking directly about entitlement is when it's most interesting. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that it gets off the rails when it's moving away from that. You're right. They're at that point talking about like immigration and the kids in cages at the border. Yeah. That is like, 
quite literally a political <laughs> conversation for for sure. Um, and then I guess there's a subtext to the drugs and in the legality um, in the cuckoo mm-hmm. clock and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and like who's partaking in it. Um, I, I think there's just a subtext of conversation uh, that's political that I, I think oh, it seems to have been uh, widely understood that there's a political tone to the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I understand that conclusion, but to me, it's not, you know, about Republicans and Democrats and partisanship. It's to me, Correct. I mean, entitlement is a kind of political um, thing, but uh, that conversation, I'm okay with that. Like, I like that movies, you know, are representing conversations that people have. Um, you know, this is, this, this is what's going to make it like a good time capsule. Um, you know, this is what, um, will make it interesting to someone a hundred years from now is to see something that looks really of its time. It'll look like a really 2019 kind of movie. Um, I think that's what makes things age in kind of an interesting way. It's not a timeless movie. I don't think, I think it is timely in a, in a kind of good way. Um, I think that might be where we disagree. I, I I think that I, I there's just a lot of other movies I'd point to to being timely. Like I'd pick the laundromat over this, but I'd I'd go big short for like movie of the decade to like have a conversation mm. about who we are um, over almost anything else. Yeah, I mean maybe I I might even walk back what I just said. Like I think there is something about something timeless about um, the haves and the have-nots, and yeah that seems actually pretty in, pretty durable thematically. Um, yeah, I mean, just we just saw it in Keaton. people talking about things that are specific to the era in which the movie came out, I think will make it interesting to future generations. Okay, That's what so I like about a 40s movie. It's not, you know, the subtext might be something else, but I like that they're me talking about things that are, that happened in 1944. Um, you know, that's what gives it, uh, it's, that's what makes it a movie of its time. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, when we were watching the Keaton movies, right? Like, there's a point where we go from Roaring Twenties Keaton to the Depression era Keaton. And, like, the subtext of the film is that he's making a criticism of de- Depression era politics while he's also making a, a film in the system. So, like, I, yeah, that, like, maybe that will age and be interesting. Um, if it is, I don't know that it would be ryan's overt artistry in his screenplay that i would point to to being the cause of that so much as just he made a film that was true to him and it just happens to be true um that it's going to age in that complimentary way yeah i think i would agree like this isn't going to really like elevate ryan johnson as a director for me like there isn't a set piece or any kind of camera work that i really love that's really going to stick with me but i do like that he kind of lets these actors act. I like Daniel Craig doing the silky Southern drawl. Um, this kind of makes me think, as much as I like him as James Bond, what the opportunity cost is to having had him as Bond. I like him in this kind of role, like the Did Logan you like him Lucky in, role. Okay, I was about Absolutely. to say that. I'm like, yeah. this might be the Daniel Craig I like even better, actually. Yeah. Um, I think Anna Diarmas is very sympathetic, but not too pitiable. No, she's strong. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
And, you know, I, I think that's a fair point that you could see these people in different movies. To me, they're kind of just heightened in different directions, like Don Johnson's heightened as that kind of um, roughed up type who's going to be quick to punch somebody, mm-hmm. whereas Michael Shannon's a little more wormy. You know, he shows up in Anna Diarmas's hallway saying, I'm going to get you deported. Yeah. They all, they have different tactics. They kind of are heightened in different directions. But um, maybe... I just live in a place of great pleasure because I get to watch things like Succession the same year I get to watch Mr. Robot, the same year I get to watch The OA, the same year I get to watch Legion. And so, it you know, maybe it's a little bit mean, but it's like I just watched Succession where like all of these characters are extremely heightened in totally different diaspora of directions, but they all are of the same fucking place you know they're they're all in the same family i don't feel that in this movie they're they're all supposed to be in the same family i don't feel that at all like i get that don johnson would be different than jamie lee curtis Mm. but um it just it doesn't feel tangibly real that this is a real family it feels more like this is a assembly of characters to represent different dialogues that ryan wanted to see happen Didn't take me out of it like it sounds like it did you, but totally get it. I think I yeah. can see how that would happen. Favorite scene? <clears throat> uh, I guess it's not a singular scene, but I really, really enjoyed the chase scene with Chris Evans and Anna de Armas in the very slow car. Um, and mm. how they think they lost him and they just pull up right next to him and Daniel Craig... Uh, just acts like he's her best friend um Mm -hmm. just that whole comedic beat there that was uh when it was most joyful for me how about you especially with that rear view mirror of the ambulance and him going oh shit (laughs) good stuff um i really kind of like this early stretch where anna diarmas is kind of right next to daniel craig as he's you know going about looking for clues before she goes off with chris evans um Mm -hmm. you know so the scene like nervous eye work Say that one more time. Her nervous eye work. Yeah, yeah. that's that's great. Um, uh, her, you know, walking up the mud path mm-hmm. and sort of playing dumb. You know, the the tension between them I thought was was very fun. And um, seeing her just try to lead him off the set was all very satisfying. She's so good. She is very good. Uh, let's get on to the best title we're, we'll talk about today: Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story. I didn't ever really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. I'll never get to really be his parent again. He needs to know that I fought for him. It's not as simple as not being in love anymore. Eventually, it'll be the two of you having to figure this out. This is my favorite Noah Baumbach film. How'd you feel about it, Michael? I like this movie. For sure. Um, I don't think I connected with it as strongly as many people have. Um, Certainly one of the most anticipated titles of the year. Um, Not my favorite Noah Baumbach. That remains Mistress America. Probably, I still probably put Meyerowitz above this as well. Boo. I haven't seen Francis Ha in a long time. That's, I know that's a lot of people's favorite. Um, But there's also some I haven't seen. I don't think I've ever seen Kicking and Screaming, uh, Margot at the Wedding. So I am not a Baumbach completist. Anyway, what's the uh, 
gosh, there's another one while we're young. No, I have seen while we're young. Is I that like it? Is that the name Adam of it? Driver the one. Adam driver, Ben Stiller one. I like that one as okay. well. Yeah. Did you see that one? Yeah. I, I, that's one of the ones that I'm most positive on. Yeah. Um, yeah. or like remember fondly, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I liked it. I think it's possible. I just came in with such high expectations that I just didn't, uh, it didn't hit me quite as hard as I kind of was waiting for it to do. But, um, I think there's a lot of good stuff here. I think I'm going to have mostly positive things to say. What about you? I predict the reason you didn't like this film is because there's a young boy whose name is not Noah Jupe. Mm. So you're just pissed. Um, where am I at? I, I think it's one of the the most complete films I've seen this year, screenplay and performance-wise. Um, the edits, while totally against the grain and uncommon, felt really well-bodied um, and fully developed. I thought Randy Newman's score was fantastic, and it, it really it, it created a world that I um, I can feel. Um, you know, very few films look like they feel a certain way and then um stay with you afterwards and i I think that this is one of those ones that does that um there's some scenes at the end that are heartbreaking there's heartbreaking scenes that are also hilarious um specifically one with Merritt weaver and adam driver where Merritt's doing some of her best work and she's done a lot of great work and that was just a pleasure to see who does she play she plays uh scarlet's sister in California, mm-hmm. uh, she serves Adam's papers in the kitchen while they're play acting. Not so smoothly. Um, yes, but also incredibly smoothly mm-hmm. since that's her performance. Um, so it's uh, it, it was just a joy and a pleasure to see two halves make a whole film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think the the cast was um the kind of best quality of it for me um particularly the supporting players uh laura dern alan alan alda Rayliata, you know the the lawyers i think they all are critical roles since this is about divorce as well um, as the uh, the supporting families whether it's real <laughs> family or adam driver's theater family absolutely um i think it pretty persuasively shows just how miserable uh, divorce proceedings can be mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty con- pretty convincingly um, shows how a split that feels or seems amicable at first can turn only uglier as the process um, unfolds um, and how sad that is that you know the people involved in the process can't um, kind of ease people through it it seems to only deepen the resentment that yeah. led to this place in led to this uh led this to happen in the first place um yeah i don't know that i can really put my finger on what it was that maybe held me back from really loving it um like so many people have my only kind of thought is that um you know we start this movie um with them having pretty much already decided that their relationship's over um which isn't a judgment, just kind of an observation. And I think I was maybe, I kept kind of waiting to maybe feel more about what led them to each other in the first place. And I think I maybe kind of concluded that they, it kind of felt to me like they were maybe never a good match to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, And how that somehow maybe just kind of 
undermined for me um, the the weight to the proceedings versus if they had, you know, at once been such this, uh, you know, had, had they once been such a great couple. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my only kind of hypothesis for why I maybe didn't connect in a huge way. But yeah. What do you think? And it's interesting. Um, so separately, I, I mean, the extra textual quality of this film is he was married to Jennifer Jason Lee since 2005 till 2013, um, who is an actor. I don't know if she's gone on to have a directing career, but then separately, he had also been working with Greta Gerwig as his star actress. Um, and now she's going on to a directing career. So to me, the subtext of the film is, is these two relationships that are kind of intertwined perhaps where like he still seems to by all accounts respect and and love jennifer they're just not compatible as life partners and then greta got too big for their relationship in some way and and had to go do her own thing and i i think that maybe i'm viewing it as kind of a a conversation to those very complex emotions through a story. And I thought that as a storyteller, uh, what he did was just fantastic. And the way that he did it in the medium and the, the allowance that he gave the performers to feel that stuff on screen was just so special that it, I just, I really loved it. You know, it's not, it's not the same as, um, scenes from marriage which it does make constant allusions to both with the title being in the film and otherwise um you know like i wouldn't put them in the same league but i I do think as far as like american sentimentality um and complex adult emotions this is pretty high up there yeah i i think i would agree and you said you know how we use the medium to tell the story is is what what makes it special i think i'm totally with you on that like i don't have any qualms with the style okay. um, and uh you know how uh how it looks and moves and, and sounds i think that's all really there um uh yeah i i, I don't know um i just kind of kept waiting to feel more than i did but i also just um had a really great time watching um it unfold i i was thinking about that last line of um, A.O. Scott's review of the souvenir, which I think I might have quoted when we talked about the souvenir, where he said something like, this is like as sad of a movie as you can imagine, and yet it's a joy to watch, mm-hmm. which I kind of felt that way because like what Laura Dern is doing is so terrible, but it's also really fun to watch her do it. And it's ama- Yeah, it's just amazing. That is kind of hard to pull off. Um, it's like Tony Collette knives out. Just yeah. amazing. Same with Ray Liotta. Like, he is such a dick, mm-hmm. but he's really fun to watch. And he's so good at it. He's, he's like, he's like, this is a little like frighteningly convincing somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you like this? Like, it's it's to that point. Um, and that's that's great stuff. Um, you know, I might be willing to just chop it up to having been in a funk. Like, I might just need to come at it again, and it'll hit me harder. That happens sometimes for with me. Yeah, with expectations. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I I try to just figure out maybe what held me back, but it could just be that, you know. It was just a day or yeah. something. Well, there's some movies where I, 
I just I'm not in like a cycle space, I guess, where mm-hmm. it's like I need to wait three more years and then I'll love it. Mm-hmm. For some reason, you know, like I think we all go in waves of like reading or watching films or, or TV where we're just we're really in the zone with a particular genre or like doing outdoor activities or something. We just go through phases. And I think that um, I've seen a few movies this year where I think that maybe I just wasn't in the phase of my life where mm-hmm. I was going to love it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think that that's interesting, uh, where where did you land on the performances um, from the leads? Uh, I, I liked them both quite a bit. Okay. Um, I, I think they both, you know, really told me what I needed to know about them. Um, as characters, I, I think, you know, if, while I suspect it maybe had to do with what they meant to each other, that was holding me back. Who they each were was not so much an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he is sort of, um, selfish i feel i feel kind of bad because i kind of care about this character to use that word but he is kind of a selfish Mm guy um and the but so is she yeah yeah no doubt um you know the way they both seem to just want to look away during these proceedings feels very um believable they just want to seem to want to curl up and just plug their ears Mm -hmm. um what about you yeah yeah i i loved it um there's moments in the film where I just I don't quite know what to do because we find out that a character has done something that we haven't seen that character do and um, like particularly Scarlett Johansson going and seeing all these divorce lawyers mm. as advised by Laura Dern I would assume did she know why she was doing that um, mm. did she do that maliciously if so then her character or the embodiment of her character starts to not work for me. Um, so I do have some questions about like where the decision-making processes were, but as far as like the moments that I spend with, with each character, um, the Adam driver's dad character, um, and, and his love for her and not understanding and being genuinely that, obtuse at some level to take mm-hmm. a clue uh sincerely was fantastic and her feeling like he wasn't listening um where it just it all felt so real um mm-hmm. that i thought it was fantastic but i do have some questions about the screenplay and what exactly is implied by some moments that we don't see inhabited by the characters yeah yeah uh so when you're talking about um like laura Turner's scarlett johansson's character going around to those lawyers were you thinking that was laura dern or scarlett johansson i was thinking that laura dern if laura dern didn't tell her to do that and not tell her why Mm. then i don't know who her character is anymore laura dern's no scarlett johansson's Mm. because it's scarlett that has to meet with those lawyers to make them not Mm. available to him right 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 and who she's presenting as in the film isn't someone who would have gone and done that to him Mm. so i was like there's only one possible excuse and i don't believe it's ever addressed with why she Mm. did that um so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah the uh the quote-unquote discourse around it like within the last just 24 hours surveying just my twitter feed which does not mean what's that much in the grand scheme of things i was just shocked by um how much i saw of team driver versus team scarjo that was fascinating like to me it's definitely about 
the son. Um, I was just going to say divorce. Like, it's them versus divorce in a way. It's like, that's the villain. Yeah. Um, but I think it is partly what you're talking about where people are like, why did she lawyer up? Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know me, that I can she's decidedly less sympathetic um, than Adam Driver's character, which I, I think is maybe a reflection of the fact that Noah wrote the screenplay, not Jennifer or right? Greta. I, I think some people have said, yeah, that, that I think some people have um, complained about that, that it feels maybe unfair to her. Um, I don't know that it's unfair. I just, I think that when people say it's even handed, I, I would say mm. that she, she comes off as being less in the right more often. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where I where I come out. I mean, I I definitely I was not in my head at all thinking about as I watched it whose side I was on. I was mostly just thinking about how rapidly this is becoming messy. Yeah, and no, how, it, it's not something I lived in while watching. It was just on the drive home and subsequent mm-hmm. thinking about it, where I'm like, he was a dick there, and then it's like, but so was she. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for yeah, for me it just had to do with almost kind of how startling at first it was that they seemed kind of like unfazed by their imminent split before mm-hmm. any lawyers come about. I'm like, wow, it kind of seems like no problem. They're almost done with this. Yeah. Um, and then they're really only just getting going. Like it's when the legal mechanics kind of really get into gear that it suddenly gets so much worse. And this is like worse than anything they've had to endure as a couple mm-hmm. deciding to split. Um, you know, it's just about like, can they weather this, um, alone together, whatever, um, less about, you know, who's in the right and the wrong. I think that's just an interesting conversation for the, uh, to have kind of developed. I think that'll probably go away. Sometimes Twitter just flares up yeah, and then means nothing in the long run. So yeah, I, I think that's likely the case. Hot um, takes. Did you feel profound things at all in this film i certainly had some moments of like profound like you know chest welling up or or tears rolling i thought i was gonna make it through the entire film without crying and then the final scene in the street with a untied shoelace um made me lose that um that i had going for me Did, did you have any heightened emotions in this film uh, I, I, I definitely felt things. I don't know that I ever got quite to that point. Mm. Um, but, uh, I completely get it. Um, I and, was, I was sorry, thinking about did, it more than I did was Did you get to it. this in the theater or did you watch it at home? I watched this at home. Oh, okay. Which I am curious about. You saw this in the theater, right? Sold out. People laughing at, at the Laughing, uh, groups crying, people Absolutely. slapping each other's knees. Um, yeah, yeah it was... An eclectic crowd and quite interesting, you know, it was, a, you know, mainly people in their 20s or lower or mainly people over 60. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially like around Julie Haggerty's character, ScarJo's mom, mm-hmm. um, where I wasn't laughing out loud. And as soon as I realized I wasn't, I was like, I really regret not seeing this in the theater because I definitely would be yep. in that setting. Mm-hmm. You know, comedy, I think, really... Uh, is a public the price yeah, yeah. Uh, that's really contagious and i think this is a funny movie even though i was like i should be laughing out loud right now this is funny stuff and it's just it's not as funny like when alan not... alda's stuff yeah. Or, yeah or when they're looking at like some mature magazine in alan alda's office 
Yeah, I love that shot of uh, Driver Adam Driver's character looking at the the clock. Just um, you know that sense that it's so expensive. Like you don't have time for this bullshit. Like even mm-hmm. if it is maybe going to be a funny joke, who knows? He seems he's such a he is kind of a sweet guy. <laughs> um, uh, that it just feels like every minute is you know uh, just more money going through your wallet. You know that's that. That's effective stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love this film. My favorite shot is that end shot in the street where she runs back across to tie the shoelace. And the prerequisite to that is her saying, do you want to take him home? We're going to keep going. And I know it's my night, but he's tired. Do you want to take him? Uh, there's just something not quite melancholy, but real close to it. Um, that is from a place of love like it's it's melancholy plus love that's deeper than romantic love yeah. um that it just is really special in that scene um and the way that we linger with it because it's the the credit shot so we just get to see the whole process of him loading him in buckling mm-hmm. him in getting in the car starting it driving away um that makes it feel real yeah that's my favorite what's yours i think it's maybe the first scene with ray liotta's character just because of how like funny and awful it is at the same time like i i was very amused by it and also just kind of like terrified for how clearly awful this is going to become mm-hmm. um you, you know that's just tone management in one single scene in one single character it is both funny and terrible at the same time uh very very nicely handled Start from a place of reasonable, and they start from a place of crazy. When we settle, we'll be somewhere between reasonable and crazy. On to Atlantics. Another Netflix original from Mati Dia, uh, who comes from some pretty fancy genetic lineage um, as far as African cinema and in real cinema. She's acted in a Claire Denis film, 35 Shots of Rum, um, and then a few others, as well as directed multiple shorts. That's right. This is the first uh, work by her that I've seen. Have you watched, did you watch any of her shorts? I attempted to, but they all have paywalls. Uh, on Vimeo or something? Um, no, on, gosh, other stuff. Mubi and mm. other platforms that I just wasn't willing to pay up for for a short film. But Maybe I was tempted. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this premiered at Cannes where it uh, was maybe like the first film in Cannes by like a Senegalese director. Um, oh, wow. I think it, there was, there. I think, I think that's what the... Uh, um, attention was towards it and okay. won, a, won a prize so it's uh, been one that I was particularly excited for um, well it, maybe it's the first Senegalese film because she's not Senegalese is she I thought she was French um, I don't remember okay. I shouldn't say don't know for sure that's just what I was kind of remembering gotcha I really like this film um, it uh, see 
yes. met my expectations. I had high expectations. I don't know that it exceeded them, but I liked it a great deal. Um, it uh, had me fairly gripped um, for the entirety of its run runtime. I kind of wanted it to maybe just escalate in some way towards the end, but um, I, I still really like this a great deal. I found it quite um, haunting and atmospheric, and those are just the kinds of things I really like in my movie going. What about you? Yes, I agree. Um, anytime gin are used in film, I'm probably at least going to be interested. Um, and this is no exception to that rule. Um, I I was fascinated by it. Um, it the landscape shots, um, whether it's through the windows of a structure of just topographical land, or if it's of the ocean waves moving back and forth, mm-hmm. um, they were both were deeply moving. Um, the way that she built the soundscape with the waves and then goes on to use um, a, a rotating uh, laser light in the dance club mm-hmm. uh, with the same soundscape going and uh, waves heard in the background lapping against the, the sand. Um, there's, there's an ethereal quality that she... Uh, that comes most natural to her that um, I haven't quite seen anything like this year. Yeah, to me, there's just kind of a instinctiveness or spontaneity to it that feels really natural, organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it eventually becomes a quite literal ghost story. But I think like immediately I just felt like there was just this kind of charge in the air that was very sort of eerie and palpable. Um, I think like the very first shot is of the skyscraper that we keep returning to mm-hmm. throughout the film on one side of the frame and on the other, it's, you know, a building under construction. So immediately, you know, we kind of get this idea of a place um, growing, developing, yet it, to me, it kind of felt like a ghost town, just kind mm-hmm. of how the wind felt um, or how the wind sounded. Um, it's kind of sparsely populated with construction workers in those first few scenes, um, which I just thought was a really interesting feeling for this place to, um, be undergoing development and yet have that sense that it's kind of haunted. Like it almost feels kind of deserted, even though that's not what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just that kind of tactile atmosphere that was really compelling. Um, and that we cut, keep cutting back to the ocean before it really takes on any narrative significance mm-hmm. had just has that really kind of mysterious quality to it um it's right after that opening shot that we're on like the back of a truck with one of these young construction workers we're cutting to the ocean cutting back to him cutting to the ocean cutting back to him i don't really know why except that i just i like i'm just immediately uh curious about what i'm watching it just feels like there is something off about this yeah i knew this I knew that there was math happening. I didn't know what the math was. Right. Um, right. You know, which is just a way of saying there's a universal language to cinema. If you have all your senses, I think that you can see when someone's building associations with things. And just because you know they're building the association doesn't mean you know what it's there for. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was the case with Suleiman and the truck and the waves Mm -hmm. being cut to where before he ever gets in the ocean, we associate him with the ocean. Mm-hmm. So that when she looks at it or when she's walking by it, she's not only walking 
by the ocean, she's walking by Suleiman, or she's walking mm-hmm. by our the audience's memory of Suleiman, mm-hmm. which is just it speaks to the intuitiveness of her as a a, a cinema maker. I think yeah. more than just a movie maker. I think that she is working in, in that language that we call cinema. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I think that score was great. That definitely plays a role in building the atmosphere. Um, and, uh, once the, uh, ghosts actually show up, I found it just really chilly. Mm -hmm. Um, but moving at the same time, um, uh, yeah. What were your thoughts as, as it progressed? Specifically about the ghosts, I thought it was genius to just use a normal actor, um, let them behave as if they're animated slightly, um, and then do that post-CG effect to make their eyes white. Um, or, or at least in one scene, she did a post-effect. I don't know if in the other scenes they were wearing white contacts, but in one scene you do see his eyes turn white. I believe it's the agent's eyes that turn white, um, or the detective's eyes that yeah, turn white. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, it's... Uh, tough movie to talk about um, mm. in, in that context. I, I don't really know how to talk about it other than it. I felt like it was working the whole time. Um, mm. You know, maybe it never, you know, hit the, the high heights that I feel like she can get to, but I, I it Same never way. stumbled at all. Um, mm. For me, the criticisms of capitalism, of religion, of custom, um, all of it was poignant and and strong voiced but not over the top you know Mm -hmm. she just wasn't as a filmmaker i guess the one thing i would say about her is she's just not a coward Mm. you know she's she's just gonna do what she thinks she should do and she's gonna say what she thinks she should say and there's something delicious about that and and the work that comes out of it yeah yeah, yeah, it is tricky to talk about when the the narrative is kind of simple in a way, and mm-hmm. it's more about the the, the feel and the texture, and um, you know, you can kind of describe the story in not that many words. I'm sure mm-hmm. the Wikipedia summary is probably pretty brief. Yeah, um, but it's definitely more one that you just have to watch and feel, not just know. Yes. Uh, yeah, you have to feel the mirrors on the wall in Suleiman's room change their context. You have to mm-hmm. see the mother of Suleiman saying, you saw my son. There's there's an implicit feeling to the moments of the film that is just, they're intangible, but incredibly tangible at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, uh, I have no idea if anyone's actually had this complaint, but one thing that like crossed my mind as we see these spirits taking up the bodies of the women. Um, they left behind. Yeah, uh, was if anyone would level the complaint that it's somehow like depriving them of agency by like bringing the men back through them, which is not a complaint I've read. I just kind of wondered if that would ever crop up. I didn't feel that way i think it's a very i think symbolic. if it does it's wrong <laughs> yeah I, yeah to me it's a very uh just symbolic way of showing the the burden of what these women have to bear after losing yeah. the boys that they love 
Um, so maybe that's a straw man argument that I just set up to knock down. But I, I've definitely um, seen the complaint of Suleiman coming back as a man instead of a woman. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. wait, was that Mike D'Angelo? Yeah. I did see that, actually. And uh, I, Maybe that's what planted that. In. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I, I had totally forgotten about that. Um, and the, the other point was about why, why him, right? When the other girls are all kind of a group, he seems like a random additional person yes which i don't know to serve the narrative it's a fair point but like it never crossed my mind watching it i don't know it just it just didn't bother me i don't know what more to say yeah um well there's i I think that it the use of a policeman is used for a further criticism of um the the time and, and the complicity of law enforcement in the power struggle that the native senegalese have as global capitalism comes to their sure in in bigger ways um which is represented by the tower and the construction but um there's also like a subtext to the 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 types of people that these spirits find their way into um and i i think that that's the real reason that i would point to is that she's too strong to have a spirit inhabit her and he was too compromised and Mm. um questioning and and, um corrupted um so the spirit found its way to him um that's what i would point to i don't know if that's the real reason i don't know how much of a thousand nights or a thousand one arabian nights she's read and like if that's playing into it or or where she arrived at this stuff from but that's that's the way that i read it yeah yeah it it was not yeah not something that came to mind during the watch um only something that I had been left thinking about afterwards and after reading that complaint, but um, can't say it has since taken much away from it for me. Yeah. Um, just because the mood is just so strong. Um, and uh, yeah, just like you said, I there's no specific complaint about um, about it. It's just the heights it reaches. I think I'm just going to use your words again, that uh, she's got more in her. Like a lot, yeah, a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see her collaborate with Claire and have Claire produce alongside mm-hmm. her, or um, you, you know, see her DP even for for Claire. Mm-hmm. I I think that if she could work with uh, a French female filmmaker who's really strong, it, that maybe that would build up her storytelling dialogue, because um, mm-hmm. that was so emotional and evocative that i i think that i would want to see that paired with something more rich in conversation that also can do that yeah absolutely uh i don't know that i have a lot more to add what about you what's your favorite scene you go first my favorite scene is when the lasers are going up and down while she's sitting there and we hear the ocean and the score it's Mm. a very simple scene but it's it was arresting I was yeah. arrested. I like the earliest sequences before I had any sense of where this story was going. Mm, and yet I was just scene? feeling Ooh. stuff. Yeah. The um, uh, first introduction of this couple um, really simple like this. This is really modest in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know what the budget was, but like talk about like a strong return on investment Mm -hmm. because it's it's just really effective with some really simple things that just knows the power of editing like cutting back and forth between the ocean and a guy in a truck pretty simple stuff pretty affecting um 
So some of those early sequences were quite, I was quite taken with. Agreed. But that, that scene in the dance hall and what it comes to mean. Oh, so special. That is Atlantics by Matty Diop. And that is another complete episode, Michael. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! You might even say. That's another one in the can. Did it again.